What is going on guys? My name is Jay from the MMA Weekly Podcast and I am back to talk about all the news. I know is it's been a long break since I did this. So I'm gonna recap all the news from this week and I'm gonna try and fire out tons of episodes in the next two or so weeks. Uh before we get started I just wanna say thank you to everybody on MMA Amino who voted for me to be in the Hall of Fame. It's a it's a thing on the app where we in where uh, KPM, who is a user on the app, he uh, every year inducts someone into the Hall of Fame, and I was inducted this year, and I I'm I've been humbled. So just thank you to everyone for all the kind words, and just for voting for me. Anyway, guys, let's jump straight into the news. Well, I suppose the biggest news of this entire week was UFC 236. And I'm going to run down the entire card from top to bottom. So I'm going to start off with the main event and then work down to some of the fights that I think should be mentioned. So in the main event, we had um, a very good fight. One of the best fights in recent memory. Uh, fight of the year contender. That was Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier. And Dustin Poirier shocks everybody. He gives Holloway uh, probably the toughest fight of Holloway's career. He he brought it to him in the first in the first two rounds. You know Holloway had his moments, but in the end, uh, Poirier managed to get the unanimous decision. And uh, now he is the UFC interim lightweight champion. I was so excited for this fight. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, and for a good reason. You know, I I had predicted that Holloway would uh, TKO him by round four. Uh, because I thought he was, now that he was up at 55, he would have more power. He'd still have that volume, he'd still have the speed. And I think he would just, uh, or I thought he would uh, outwork Poria. But in the first uh, minute or so of the fight, Poria went in and he cracked him with some good shots and put him on uh, put him on the back foot. Uh, you know, Max did have his moments. And Max, Max is he's a warrior, he's a legend, that guy has a chin made of granite. You know, he did have his moments, uh, you know, in the uh, in the third and fourth rounds, I think were probably Max's biggest moments. And yeah. Though Dustin Poirier, that guy, he is he he uh, there, there aren't any words to even describe him. He's a killer. He just he pushes forward. He knew what he had to do to get the win and he executed perfectly and he produced probably what will end up being the fight of the year, but you know there was another fight on the card that many people believe was a fight of the year, and th- this is only April, and we already have several contenders from fight of the year. So what's next for Dustin Poirier? It's very clear. It's Habib. Uh, Dustin, he uh, he needs to unify his belt with Habib's, and so we can finally have some restoration to. The, the the lightweight division because the lightweight title picture has been hectic for the last two or three years ever since McGregor moved up essentially the entire title picture is just it's atrocious so you know Khabib says that he wants that fight in uh, September and uh, I think Poirier should be healed up by then he did take a lot of damage in this fight because you know Max is is a killer and you know, he he Max had he definitely had his moments in the fight, but I think Poirier should be healed up by September. And you know, um, 
who knows where they're going to do that. They could do it in Russia. They could do it in Vegas. You, you don't know. What's next for Max Holloway? I mean, this was... He never said that he was going to be moving up to 55 for good. I think this was just a one-off fight. Uh, you know, in uh, just to, to kind of feel the waters of 55. And originally it was going to be Tony Ferguson, who, in my opinion, is the best 55er out there. I think he's better than Khabib. He's better than... He's he's better than Poirier. He's better than McGregor. He's better than I. Uh, I think Ferguson's the best. And to to see how Dustin Poirier really controlled the fight against Holloway, and to see this, this was one of the rare times you ever see Holloway get hit, and he got rocked badly in this fight. He was he was really he was getting wobbled in this fight. So. I say I w- I would have predicted that Ferguson would have beaten Holloway, but it shows that the fifty fibers are a little too big and a little too strong for Holloway. Everyone says that Holloway is a natural fifty fiber. I don't think that's I don't think that's true. I think he's probably somewhere naturally around one fifty for competition because the fifty fibers they walk around around one eighty. 185, and they they carry a lot of weight with them. So what's next for Holloway? Uh, 45. He needs to go back. He needs to defend his battle 45. I know a lot of people are saying that he should fight Frankie Edgar next. I don't think that Edgar is deserving of a title shot, and I know I'm going to get a lot of shit thrown at me for that. Um, But in, in my opinion, I don't think that he's deserving of a title shot. I mean, he got beat by Ortega, and he's fought once since then he beat uh Cub Swanson. Um and he he hasn't really done anything since so I don't know, I think I think the the most likely winner to get is uh Aldo versus Volkanovsky. I think the winner of that fight will fight Holloway. If Aldo wins, I'm not sure that he'll get a third shot at Holloway. I know a lot of people are saying have the winner of Aldo versus Volkanovsky fight Edgar for the title shot, but I don't think Max is going to want to wait out that long. I think he's going to want to get in there and fight someone straight away. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how things play out for Max. And then in the co-main event, which uh, for the majority of MMA fans was was and will be the fight of the year, Kelvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya. And my God, was this a good fight. I was hyperventilating on my sofa during this fight, I I could not believe what I've what what, what I've witnessed in that fight because it showed um, Gaslam coming out of the gate. He was super aggressive and he rushed in there and he dropped Adesanya in the first round and I my heart skipped a beat then because yeah you know, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Adesanya. I mean I do enjoy his fighting style. His his speech, his trash talk is a bit cringy to me. Um, but, you know, I, I was rooting for him in this fight. So I was uh, I was pretty upset when he got dropped. I thought uh, that, you know, Kelvin has got cement bricks for hands, especially his left hand. And I knew that if Kelvin could get on the inside and hit him, he could definitely drop me, he could finish the fight because, uh, you know, Kelvin... Kelvin used to be a favorite of mine. I don't know. I think I kind of lost touch with him, of uh, being a fan with him, being a fan of him 
since Tough. Um, just because Robert Whitaker is my favorite middleweight fighter of all time, I think that kind of kind of pushed me away from Kelvin a bit. You know, but Kelvin's a warrior, man. Then the second round was, uh, you know, started off in Kelvin's favor. He, uh, you know, he was doing the same thing, and then, boom, Adesanya. First, he cracked him with a spin and back elbow, and then after that, he hit him with a right hand that decked him. And at that point, I just I got so excited because the momentum shifted so much in between in between the first and second round, and the possibility of how much it could shift and change over a five round fight really intrigued me. And you know, I I had a two two going into into the fifth round, and um, you know, I've heard some controversy online about uh, how when Adesanya had Kelvin in a standing guillotine, and I was, I was super shocked by that. I heard some people saying that Kelvin tapped, and it did kind of look that way. Um, I can see how people would think that. I know a lot of the people that I was watching it with, they said that uh, Kelvin tapped, but I don't think he tapped. I think he was reaching to try and pull down the arm. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I find Gaslam a little bit cringy at times, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here, and I'm going to say that he didn't tap. And then Adesanya, you know, he caught, he got him in a triangle choke, and uh, he explained that the only reason that he didn't finish that off was because he had injured his knee in training, and that uh, you know it was just he was going to do himself more damage than he would Kelvin if he uh, if he'd continued with it. But man, that that fifth round was very entertaining. I mean, it started off. Back and forth again, but Adesanya is just a beast. He took over that fifth round and knocked him down twice. He just, uh, Kelvin, he is so tough, and Adesanya is so skilled. And, you know, I expected this fight to be good. I expected it to be back and forth, but not to that extent. Again, some people said that um, the referee should have stopped the fight. Uh, or with around 30 seconds left to go in the fifth round because Gaslam, he was getting knocked down and he wasn't really defending himself. I, it, when I watched it at first, I thought that the fight should have been stopped and I watched it again and, you know, I think you know, the referee made the right decision to, to let it go on. So if there had been 10, 20, 30 seconds left in that round, I think Adesanya definitely could have finished him, but... MMA is not really a place for what ifs, you know. The, our sport, ha- everything happens for a reason, and uh, you know I think the referee made, made the right call. So uh, Adesanya is now the interim middleweight champion. He's the second ever African-born UFC champion, and you know I'm really happy for him. He's also the first uh, champion to come from New Zealand, and I know you might be if you're not too familiar with Adesanya. Um, he was born in uh, Nigeria, and he was he was uh, raised in New Zealand. So uh, he shares, you know, he has a, a dual citizenship of sorts. What's next for Adesanya? Like Poirier, there's only one clear option. He's got to fight Robert Whitaker next. Whitaker, like like I mentioned earlier, he's my favorite middleweight of all time. I just, I like his fighting style, I like the way he talks, I just, there's something fundamentally really likable about him. Uh, you know, Dana White said at the uh, press conference that 
when they do that fight, they're going to have to do it in Australia. And, you know, I, I couldn't agree more because, um, you know, Alessandia is from New Zealand. Um, and Rob is, he, he was born in New Zealand, but he, he was raised as an Aussie. And he considers himself to be Australian. So, um, you know, every, every time that the UFC has booked him for an Australia card lately, he seems to have fell through. So I hope this one plays out properly because I, I, like, the, the undisputed middleweight title has not been fought for since Bisping versus GSP. And that was in November 2017. In that time, there have been no undisputed middleweight title fights. I mean, that that's that's a little sad. So yeah, um, Wirker versus Adesanya in Perth or Melbourne, or you can even do that in New Zealand. Uh, I know Israel Adesanya wants it in New Zealand. He wants it in Auckland, and you know, I'd be I'd be happy with either. What's next for Gastelum? That's a tricky question. I know uh, Jack Ray and Hermanson are fighting. Is it? Uh, it's not next week. It's the week after. And uh, you know, Yoel Romero is. Uh, he has pneumonia right now. Uh, Paulo Costa has. You know, he's been uh, fined by uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission for stomach medicine, but uh, we all know that he was flagged by USADA. You know, this is actually a tough one because uh, coming into this fight, Gaston was ranked number four, and I reckon he'll be probably number four again uh, when the rankings come out, uh, either four or five or anything. So rankings-wise, I think that he should probably fight the loser of Jack Ray versus Hermanson. If Hermanson wins, I'd let him fight Kelvin. But, uh, you know, the UFC has made a promise... Uh, to Jackery that if he wins, uh, he gets a title shot in his next fight, and I I don't want him to fight Kelvin again. You know, I think that was a good fight, and Kelvin won pretty decisively. So yeah, I I reckon Jackery will probably be Hermanson. Um, you know, Hermanson could pull an upset and submit him. Uh, you know, the the shocker of all shockers, or he could win by decision. You know, we you really don't know what's going to happen and. MMA, that's that's what's so intriguing about MMA. So, yeah, I'd probably say Jack Hermanson, if he loses, uh, I'd probably let him fight Kelvin then because it's still a top-ranked opponent and it's kind of a comeback fight for Kelvin where he can rebound. You know, that's a, that's a pretty favourable fight for Kelvin, in my opinion. So it could be one just to, 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 to bounce back. If not that, I'd probably say the winner of Silva versus Cannonier, or uh, not Cannonier, the winner of Silver Sil. I'm a numpty. The winner of Silva versus Cannonier, uh, and that fight's going down on May 11th, uh, UFC 237 in Brazil. So then, uh, stepping away from title fights for a minute. We have Khalil Rentry Jr. putting on an absolute showcase against Eric Anders. And the main thing of this fight was leg kicks and knockdowns. He landed, I'm not sure how many leg uh, leg kicks he landed. I think it was something like 24. 
and he knocked him down four times in one round. And it, yeah, uh, round round you went to uh, Thailand uh, to hone his his, uh, his Muay Thai training after his last fight against Johnny Walker, which he lost by a brutal knockout. And it really showed in this fight that his Muay Thai has been significantly improved. Uh, because you know he came right out of the gate. He was in his. He was, he was in a Muay Thai stance. He was. He was light on his feet. He was very mobile. Uh, something that you don't really see among the heavier guys. You know, from middleweight up, you don't really see that. You don't see guys being that light and using traditional techniques. I know you got guys like Leona Machida, who use uh, tr- traditional martial arts like uh, karate, but. He's kind of the only exception. I hope that uh, Khalil Roundtree does do well in the future because uh, that's a very good style and I think it's a lot of the heavier guys could benefit from using traditional martial arts. Who would I like to see Khalil Roundtree fight next? Uh, probably OSP. And I'll get to that in, in a minute, why, why I want to see that. Eric Anders, I think he should probably go back down to 185, but I don't have a clue who he should fight. Um, if you know anyone that you think Eric Anders should fight, please leave it down in the in the comments of this one because I cannot for the life of me think of it. I'm going to skip over Dwight Grant versus Alan Joban because it wasn't the most entertaining fight. And, you know, I, I try to see the, the best in all fights and I thought this fight was really going to deliver because Alan Joban always puts on a show and I'm I'm pretty I'm, I was pretty hot on Dwight Grant uh, coming into his fight after his knockout of Carlos uh, Pedersoli back at UFC Prague. I thought that was a an, an insane knockout. And yeah, you know, I was really expecting good things to come from this fight. But no n- no good things came of this fight. It wasn't awful. It wasn't as bad as people say it was. It just wasn't great. I mean, it started off good. Um, Grant was throwing some big loop and shots. He was landing, and occasionally Joe Ban was fire back at him. But a lot of it was just Grant winging shots and missing them, and Joe Ban not really doing anything about it. I know Joe Ban uh, took him down, and I scored the fight for Joe Ban. I had a twenty-nine to twenty-eight for him. Um. Yeah, I thought he won the the second and third round, but um, yeah, Alan Joban is pissed off about that fight. I mean, like I've never seen anybody get as angry about a decision in my life as Alan Joban, and you can, I'm not sure if it's the way that Joban stormed off in the cage, but you can see that Dwight Grant was actually laughing uh, as his hand got raised. I think he was laughing at Alan Joban. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I can say about that fight. Then uh, Nikita Krylov defeated Ovin St. Pru by a rear naked choke in the second round. And I was actually a little bit surprised by this. I am a fan of Nikita Krylov. I think he's a good fighter. He's got potential. And I was kind of upset when he left the UFC back in 2016. But, um, you know... His uh, his promotional comeback was against Jan Blachowicz, who is one of the best two or fivers out there, and he lost that pretty decisively. So, I'll, and he'd already lost OSP 
a few years back, so I expected OSP to probably just win by decision, you know, draw them out in typical OSP fashion. And uh, OSP actually he surprised me a bit with this one. He uh, he had a lot of energy in him coming into this fight, and I was a I was I was a bit intrigued by it as it started, but he blew all his energy out, and Krilov landed a good kick to the body. Uh, I think about halfway through round one, I think that took it out of him, and you, you could hear him uh, in the second round when Krilov had the the rear naked choke, and you could hear him panting. He was like a sick dog. It was if you if you haven't seen it or heard it, uh, go back and watch that fight. And as Krilov starts to get it underneath the neck, he uh, Saint Prudus starts making this horrible noise. So who should Nikita Krilov fight next? I think there's only really one option. Uh, one option, and that is Johnny Walker. A lot of people are high on Johnny Walker. I'm high on Johnny Walker. I am proud to say I'm part of the Johnny Walker hype train. Um, but I think Krilov could pose some actual threats to him on the ground. Krilov has some good submissions. He's got a good ground game. He could pose some threats to Johnny Walker, but um, Walker has the superior striking, in my opinion. It'll, it'll be a good fight. And a lot of people are saying that if that if that fight came through, he was... The Krilov would just be a, the, the lamb, the, the, the next sacrificial lamb to feed to Walker's hype. And I don't think that. I think it would be a, a genuine test. Who's next for OSP? Like I said earlier, I think probably Khalil Roundtree. I think OSP drops in the rankings probably down to fi- probably down to number 15 because Krilov was unranked coming into this fight. So, um, you know, OSP gets a chance to fight someone who... Uh, people believe is a good prospect at 205 and to kind of um, reinvent himself for that one and Roundtree has a chance to break into the top 15. So those were all my thoughts on UFC 236. Overall it was a, it was a good card. Um, you know that Grant Joban situation kind of pissed me off and it pissed Alan Joban off uh, but overall we had some incredible fights. We crowned uh, two new interim champions and, you know, a lot of people are annoyed saying that they aren't real champions because it's the interim belt. If you want to hear me do a segment on that in the future, uh, please leave it down in the comments and make sure to join the MMA Amino MMA Weekly chat room. Now, the next thing I want to talk about was, and I said this to everybody at MMA Amino, and a lot of people don't believe me, it's that um, Gary Tolan asked uh, all... all all the people on Twitter, if they wanted a post-fight interview or they wanted, or they wanted him to come on podcast, and I DM'd him, and I said I would love it if you came on here. I, I mean, like I never expected to even get a reply off him, but um, he gave me his phone number, and you know, I I texted him and I said that um, I'd do anything for him to be on the show. I mean, I'll I'll pick the hours, I'll pick the day. But uh, he never got back to me. So, um, I mean, maybe uh, he'll reply to me sometime later and we can get him on the show and that'll be just incredible. But for now, Gary Tonin is not on my show. Now, the next thing, and you all knew I was going to talk about it, it's TJ Dillashaw, EPO, blood doping, suspensions, thicker shaw, you know, all, all that. 
so TJ Dillashaw was uh, he wasn't stripped of his bantamweight title he voluntarily relinquished it um, and then Marlon Moraes and Henry Cejudo are going to fight for the vacant belt at UFC 238 and the reason that he did that was because USADA found some adverse uh, he, adverse findings in his drug tests uh, coming up to UFC uh, on ESPN 1, the first ever ESPN founded event against Henry Cejudo. And what it turned out to be was EPO. And EPO is a drug that increases your red blood cell count and it helps with your cardio and things like that. And when I found out at first that he had failed a drug test, I thought, well, you know, I don't think it's it's that much. And people were saying how uh, Garbrandt was saying it all along, and I can't believe it. And I thought, I mean, like, everybody accuses everybody of being on steroids these days. I, I didn't think anything of it uh, at the time, and I didn't really think anything of it when TJ initially failed it. Because, you know, Garbrandt likes to run his mouth. But when I found out it was EPO, and I found out that that's only injectable, and that Carabrant had actually accused them of using EPO, then I just, I lost my absolute shit with TJ. He has been suspended for two years by USADA, and one year by the New York State Athletic Commission. And, like, T- I'm kind of ashamed to say that I was I was a fan of TJ. Um... You know, he went in there, he took out Henneborough, he ran through the division. He couldn't beat my boy, Dominic Cruz, though. You know, he took the belt back from Garbrandt, he beat him again, and, you know, he was he was knocked out by Cejudo, no controversy. If you want to talk about how it was stopped early, and I said early in quotations, please um, just ask me to talk about it here. And you know, I I was I thought TJ would go back. I thought he would fight Marlon. I thought he would lose to Marlon, but I think you know he still had a good future at, at thirty five. But to find out that he was cheating for to get down to twenty five and to try and beat Cejudo no matter what, it just it it, it pisses me off. I think TJ he's a cheat. He's a scumbag. He just, I mean. I know a lot of people are saying, like, how come you can get mad at TJ when a lot of people aren't mad, they aren't still mad at John Jones and Brock Lesnar? I am mad at John Jones and Brock Lesnar. The thing is, those things, like, their excuses could actually be true. I don't believe them. I think Jones is a cheating scum. I think he's the scum of the earth. I hate John Jones more than anybody else. But there is still the possibility that he his alibi could be right. Same thing with Brock Lesnar. I mean, if you can't tell that that fella has been on roids, you're smoking wood chips. And uh, that is not my joke. I still laugh on Twitter. But TJ's thing is inexcusable, and he's admitted to it himself. His team have admitted to it. He has purposely cheated, and I, I see a lot of people feeling sorry for TJ. I don't. I don't feel sorry for TJ. I'm glad that TJ got caught. I'm glad that he's not still doing EPO. And I'm glad that he has to sit out for the next two years and watch either Marlon Morris or Henry's Hudo. It's probably going to be Marlon Morris. Take over the Bantamweight division. And for them to be called, for one of them to be called the champion while he's out. 
Because in my opinion, that that taints TJ Dillashaw's legacy forever. Because, I mean, it's kind of the Anderson Silva effect. Like, when you look back on some of Anderson Silva fights now, and knowing that he failed a drug test, it kind of, it puts a big dark cloud over all those wins. It's like, there's an asterisk next to each one of them. And I think that kind of applies to, to TJ's one as well. I know that USADA have been going back and testing all the samples that they still have from TJ's previous fights, and they've come back negative. But even still, how do you know that just as as a last-minute thing, he took EPO before the Henneborough fight? Because, you know, TJ was a 4-1 underdog coming into that fight. I mean, nobody expected him to win. Nobody. Henneborough was the man in his day. So... Who knows at this point? You know, we'll have to wait. There's going to be news on it in the next few months. And I think we're still going to be getting news about it in the next few years. But, like, I'm I'm, I'm rambling on about this a lot because I'm I'm pissed. Yeah, you know, I, I spent a lot more time than I had intended uh, talking about that. You know, it, it is, it's a big subject. It's all over the news lately. So, I mean, I, I and it's, it gets very emotional as well because everyone has... Everyone has an opinion on this. A lot of them are the same. And mine is... Well, it kind of blends into to the general opinion that TJ is scum and how could he and he's a cheat and all that. But, you know, like, like you heard, I have some personal intake on it as well. And just as well, guys, if you want me to start covering one event in this, because one is one, is one of... It's one of my favourite promotions out there they have a lot of great talent there and i do watch it i don't watch it as consistently as i do with other promotions like bellator and and other promotions like that but i do try to watch it when i can i have the app downloaded you know i if there is a fight on and it's it's kind of unfortunate because when it, whenever one events are usually on there's usually a ufc event a few hours before and because i live in ireland it's a like European fans are the most hardcore fans I know, just for the fact that they always get up in essentially the middle of the night to get up and watch them. Like I got up uh actually I, I didn't go to sleep, but I got up out of my bed and I went down and I turned on the T V to watch it at around half one. Uh that's like one thirty AM and because of that we're usually so tired after a big pay-per-view as well, where the main card doesn't get started until 3. And I'm usually just, I'm super tired after that, so I'll go back to bed. But as soon as I get back to bed, 1 starts. And I know that I want to watch it, but I can't, I'm just, I'm too tired. And I, I want to watch it in the morning, but I have to, there's just all sorts of things going on. So I'm going to try to get around to 1 events. If you guys want to, if if you guys want me to do one as consistently as I talk about Bellator and the UFC and everything else, just leave that down in the comments. I know Hinkster, uh, who is a user on other you know, he is just he's the most per, he's the most involved person but one I've ever met and that I've ever interacted with. So yeah, I think he's definitely going to be happy for that news. Something else that I'm going to touch on briefly, and I'm going to talk about. Uh, in more detail tomorrow 
because I am going to be posting an episode tomorrow. This one should be gone out on Sunday, uh, April twenty, uh, April fourteenth. Sorry, and uh, the one after this, the episode nine, should be coming out on Monday, the fifteenth. Yeah, that's right. So I'm going to touch on it briefly, and I know it's a very difficult subject. It's a very tricky subject to talk to talk about because. You say one wrong thing, you're racist and you're Islamophobic and all of that. And but just just by hearing that, you, you know what it is already. And it's the McGregor and Khabib tweeting scenario. I'm I'm not on any of their teams. Okay, I don't like Khabib. I don't. I think what he did, like I hate Dylan Nanas more than anybody. But even still, you're a professional fighter. Don't do something stupid like that just don't and you know paying people to do push-ups and videoing it and putting it on the internet i think that's it's a very it's an awful thing to do really and i i'm irish just like mcgregor is but that does not mean i'm a fan of his i think you know all the times he's been arrested or been in anything got to do with the law i'm i i'm probably gonna assume that he's guilty um that's just kind of my nature i think a lot of people say innocent until proven guilty but i always treat people like they're guilty at at, at the start it's just it it's a natural instinct so i'm on neither of their sides coming into this so i i need you to know that so you you're not thinking that i'm biased my opinion on this is they both went too far i know McGregor started it, and you know he made he made comments about Khabib's wife, saying that she looked like a towel, and like that's that's crossing the line by like the the line is miles behind him at this point. McGregor will say what he wants to say when he wants to say it. That's his attitude, and what he said in the last few years has gotten into so much trouble, but it's never about his opponents. Or their or their relatives or anything. Going after Khabib's wife was a stupid move. Uh, it wasn't just stupid; like it was a bad move. Like I, in a perfect world, none of them would have said that. McGregor wouldn't have said that, and Khabib wouldn't have said what he said. But Khabib should have just been the bigger man and just accepted it, like just ignore McGregor because that's that's what he's done. Like, and I would have. I would have kind of commended Khabib if he'd done that. I would have, I would have given him respect for that if he just walked away and left the situation. But no, he went out, and he called McGregor a rapist, and like I know there's been a lot, a lot of accusations against McGregor lately because of that. But I, that's that's crossing the line too. Khabib is also like the line. It, it's a very thin line between. Trash talk and just straight out abuse. They've left that line miles behind them at this point. I think they've both gone overboard. And I know it's the situation is sorted now. But I just... Nah. I'm going to get into more detail about that tomorrow. Uh, so this is essentially it, guys. I hope uh, that you enjoyed this episode. It was really fun getting back into doing this. I will try to do it more consistently in the next few weeks, I know, um, I, 
a lot of people have their their Easter holidays now. I I do too, so I'm gonna try get the most of it because I don't have school, I don't have tests. Thank God. But you know, I do still have uh, uh, some things to do, like you know, just just regular stuff. So um, I'm gonna try my absolute best to put out as many episodes as I can. So yeah, thank you guys for listening to this one. Make sure to like. Uh, make sure that you actually that you follow me on Podbean, and that you follow me on uh, and you friend me on MMA Amino. So that uh, if you join my VIP club on MMA Amino, you will get these episodes one. You will get them a day earlier than everybody else, and that may not seem like a benefit to you, but uh, <laughs> I, I try to think of it as a benefit. So make sure to like, make sure to follow me here, and if you know my Twitter handle, please follow that. Make sure to give me some feedback in the comment section. Make sure to comment everything that I've asked you to in this video, and uh, until next time, guys, peace.